Welcome to Beyond the Shelf. I'm Scott Curry with Chef's Best. We gather to talk about the trends in marketing, retail and production and food and beverage that are shaping the industry. We are joined today by social media expert, Nicole Humzalu. Nicole is founder and CEO of Thrive Collective in Denver, Colorado. She and her team serve online small business owners to help them grow their business through social media strategies. Prior to starting Thrive, she was content marketing manager for 66 Magazine, a senior media planner for a respected Chicago-based agency, GRP Media, and was also with Kelly Scott Madison in Chicago. Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So what inspired you to uh, start Thrive Collective? What were you kind of seeing with small businesses? Uh, what need wasn't being fulfilled that uh, propelled you to go ahead and start Thrive and, and you know help out small businesses as you're doing now with their social media strategy and implementation? Yeah, definitely. So it's a little bit, you know, twofold, I would say. Um, One side is a little bit more selfish um, on my side, um, just because I really wanted to start my own business. I personally didn't really, you know, I gave the corporate life a chance. I worked for a few different media agencies and companies, and I didn't necessarily really like the the lifestyle and I wanted more flexibility and freedom in my life. And so on that side of things, I just really wanted to go off my own and start my own business and agency. Um, And then on the other side of things, I really enjoyed, like I I recognized myself that as I kept going um, and going into different companies and working for different agencies, I ended up going smaller and smaller each time I moved. And I really enjoyed that smaller type of agency lifestyle. I thought that they worked a lot better with companies. I thought it was a little bit more of a personal experience and relationship. And I liked that there wasn't as much of the middleman and um, there wasn't as much red tape in the corporate environment. And I thought it was just a little bit more effective that way. And I think that it was a way to also get more people in the company on board with what the company is doing, the company mission, and feel a little bit more responsible for the the clients that they were working with. Because when I was at the, you know, the first company that I worked with, I was so far removed from the client side of things that I didn't necessarily feel a personal responsibility um, with the work that I was doing, even though I was doing work for that client. Um, But then when I moved to the smaller agency, and now obviously at my own company, I feel much more responsible. I love working with small businesses too. And I know Know that you know from coming from the agency lifestyle, um, you know there is a gap and a need for companies that don't necessarily need to spend like thousands and thousands of dollars with a really large agency. They don't need that type of attention yet, but they do want someone who's a little bit more established, who has a little bit more knowledge than maybe your run-of-the-mill just social media manager that's out there who's kind of just freelancing. And so I kind of saw this gap of not a lot of small agencies that were going to really connect and work with clients in that level, that high touch level. And one-to-one attention is just so important as well with social media because it's it's literally a day-to-day, uh, you know, execution. It, it's not something that you can just step away from. You need an expert that's working directly with a, a business of any size, really, to to be able to manage it on a day-to-day basis and you know, monitor the chatter online, analyzing analytics and everything, right? Exactly. Yeah. You can't just set it and forget it. Like, you know, some other 
marketing campaigns out there. Um, you do have to be very active in it every single day. And so, yeah, like every single day I check in in some way with the social media for my clients, um, very much hands-on and you need to be, yes, because things move so fast. And, um, and a lot of things, you know, you, you want to take that feedback on a daily basis to make changes to content coming up. So you can't really just, you want to see the feedback from your customers basically in real time. So you want to be able to, um, you're going to have to be in it every day and making those changes fairly, fairly quickly. And there's certainly times when you notice you know, you'll be scrolling through Twitter feed, which I'm not saying it's the healthiest thing that I do, but <laughs> and you'll, you'll come across, you know, the ads they do on there, the promoted ads, and they might be yeah. uh, using a, a spokes model of sorts. And, you, you know, you know, there's a lot of money behind it just because of the size of the brand. And Mm-hmm. You'll look at the feedback they're getting, the comments they're getting. This happens on Facebook and Instagram as well. And mm-hmm. it can sometimes be a real head scratcher because you know that they're spending you know, millions, perhaps tens of millions on this overall mm-hmm. campaign and they're just getting blown up, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas with smaller companies, you could tell that they're more attentive and take a more customer service mindset. Whereas some of the, the bigger um, you know, campaigns driven by larger agencies, they're just said set it and forget it but it's like this is mm-hmm. not a tv ad here this is not a right. you, you need to be involved here uh with it because you're getting just completely <laughs> destroyed and blown up right now and and not realizing it so so we're here to yep. talk today about about the little guy right the scrappy one if you will and if you yes. want to know what to do on a social media budget of 50 million then th- this won't be the podcast for you um <laughs> go, go look up some marketing blog but what what are kind of the key initial questions that a startup or a small business should should ask. You know, I think we can all remember the day uh, when the first question asked was, "Should I do social media?" Mm-hmm. And I think that's that question is probably generally gone now, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> of any size, you should be involved. But some of us can remember that that was actually a question that was asked when social media was its own separate thing. It was its own. Now, now it's. You know, it's almost to the point where you have to stop calling it social media, right? It's just, yeah. it just is it's yep. just where everyone is. It's part of our lives. It, it is the, the media and so on. But what are some of the que- key questions that uh, a startup or small business should ask? A lot of them say, how much money do I need? So, <laughs> um, you know, not, not always maybe the best place to start, but what should they be asking themselves? Yeah. Or what do you ask them? Yeah. So I always really like to start with just overall, what are your business goals? So what like within the next, you know, because again, social media moves pretty fast um, in the next three to six months. What are your goals for your business and really taking a look at what are the main maybe top three things that you're looking to accomplish and then break it down from there and go, OK, well, what are my marketing goals overall? They're going to help me achieve these business goals. And then how can social media fit into those marketing plans that you have? Another thing that I really like to ask, because, again, inevitably, especially for food and beverage brands, like social media is an important factor and you're going to want to be on it. Um, but you want to ask where, who is my target audience and where are they spending their time? Because you don't have to necessarily be on every single platform right out of the gate. You want to focus on a couple that are where your audience is actually spending time on, where they're interacting with people, where they're searching for companies like yours. So thinking about your audience and really nailing down who you're trying to target and then going from there and saying, okay, which platforms are these people on? And then starting to work on your branding and content strategy from there. And how do you explain to folks, I imagine a high percentage of individuals that you work with 
you know, come, they're, they're working with you because you're an expert, right? So they're, I guess, self-admitting they might not have expert or <laughs> expertise or at the very least time. Right. Uh, how, how do you walk them through the various platforms, um, you know, which arguably extends all the way down to, you know, Yelp, perhaps, that we mm-hmm. don't really consider social media, but it is. It's, it's you know, user-generated content most Right. Yeah, almost entirely. Um, and then you have, you know, the newer ones like TikTok um, and, and, and Snap, which a lot of businesses kind of haven't quite cracked. How do you walk them through so that they can understand, um, you know, if you have a certain business objective, if you have a certain audience, um, you know, before the content strategies is even devised, mm-hmm. how do you walk them through and so that they can understand is I'll, I'll bet anything they uh, they come to you and say, I want to be on X, right? That, <laughs> yeah. because in, but how do you help them, not, not just in the selection process, but in the understanding process? Um, and perhaps you want to maybe just, I know this is hard, but you know, walk through some of the major platforms and, and what people should understand about them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, a lot of clients come to me with ideas already in mind of where they should be, or if some already come to me, um, if they're, you know, they've already started their, their accounts on certain platforms. Um, well, you know, typically, again, it really depends on the type of company I'm working with, but I would say they are usually fairly receptive to my suggestions, but of course there are some that they're going to kind of not let go. Um, but I, I do like to say like, it really just depends, again, going back to those business goals that you have. So, and thinking about, again, too, what are the platforms really, uh, who do they lend themselves to? Because so if you think about LinkedIn, you're not necessarily like a food and beverage brand on LinkedIn is maybe not going to be as successful as Instagram just because of the visual side of things. And, you know, the way that people use the platforms are very different. So, um, thinking about that, and I walk people through like this is typically how people like to use LinkedIn versus Facebook. Um, here are the types of things and types of content that you typically perform well, or here are the types of industries that typically do well on this platform, this platform, this platform. And based on that, this is where I recommend you focus your time and energy. That again doesn't mean that you can have success on a different platform just because your industry maybe doesn't have like tends not to have as much success. It really, again, is a very individual personal thing to your business. And so it is a little bit too, sometimes a trial and error of which platforms to be on. And let's try this out. Let's see how it goes. Let's see the results and measure the results. And if it's not really working for you, we can always make a change. We can always shift something or we can completely leave the platform um, if it's something that isn't going to work for you. And so I think that's something to keep in mind as well, that, you know, there are best practices and there are things that I can recommend, but it's all going to be, again, kind of coming down to trial and error just because of the fact of how personal uh, social media is per business. And, and one thing you help a lot of companies with is, you know, actual production of e-commerce dollars. Um, can you explain the connection in, in kind of the measurements you use to, uh, you know, gauge effectiveness between social media and actual conversion to, to e-commerce dollars? Um, you know, social media for a long time was seen as just a way to interact engage, you know, there really wasn't an expectation of, of e-commerce being driven through it. I'm talking probably about 12 years ago, but yeah. <laughs> yet now, you know, companies literally build themselves on social media 
using yeah. direct and consumer models. Uh, what are some of the metrics that you use or, or what should people's expectations be in terms of an ROI uh, if I'm a small business and I'm saying, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go all in on this. I, I've heard about company X and company Y about how they've built their business this way. Um, what, 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 what kind of markers do you look for so that they can get an understanding of budgeting and what that ROI you know, could be using social media as an e-commerce generating platform? Yeah, definitely. I mean, typically, if you're going to be paying attention to conversion specifically, and again, you know, everyone comes in, like I said, with different goals for um, their business, for their marketing and for social media as well. So it depends on too, like how much you want to focus on just more increasing your visibility and your brand awareness versus actual conversions. And that's going to be a little bit of a different strategy and the difference um, in approach to how you go about your social media. But if you're focusing more heavily on those conversion side, I definitely think, you know, engagement overall is going to be extremely important no matter what your goal is, only because if you have increased engagement, you're going to increase your visibility because it's going to push it out to more people because more people are engaging with the content that you have. And then, of course, if you have more engagement and you have more eyes on it, then there's going to be more likely a chance for people to click through to take a look at whatever, you know, if you sent a link or if they're clicking through to your website, um, just having that engagement overall is going to be a huge factor. So I always think engagement is a really important thing to be tracking. Another thing, especially when you look at Instagram, you can see um, on per post and per story, how many people clicked to your profile and how many people clicked to your website. So you can see kind of too, like, okay, there's there's kind of the, the customer journey and you can see where people start to fall off. So if like 30 people click to your profile, but only two people clicked onto your website, maybe there's something going on um, with your with your bio, with just the account look overall that you want to address because there's a reason why people aren't clicking on the link in your bio. Or if you notice that people are actually clicking um, to your website, and but they're still not converting, then you can kind of see the drop off is happening more on your website. And that would obviously not, not inside my realm of what I do, but you can see that that's where people fall off. Like, okay, so you're doing well on social media, you're driving the traffic to your website, but people still aren't clicking. So what's causing them to stop there? So those are, so website clicks, click-through rates, um, profile visits and engagement rates are really the main things that I would be looking at and tracking if you are focused on conversions. And from there come, you know, the dollars because they mm -hmm. found you, they engaged with you. And I think the message there is that it, you have to take a full, call it a 360 degree view. You can't mm -hmm. just take something out, you know, take a photo, put a link to it, put it out there <laughs> and just get with a prayer yes. uh, and hope it's going to work. You need to uh, make sure that the entire experience from the, the, the social media channel itself all the way down through the website is uh, consistent, optimized, and locked in. Exactly. Well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you hear a lot about how, you know, social media is really about content. Mm -hmm. You you can't just say, hey, I want to do social media. And say, well, but with what, right? It, right. it would be like, um, I don't know, saying you want a TV ad and you just go, oh, well, I don't have an ad actually. So um, yet you need content consistently, right? Yes. You need, uh, you kind of alluded to the algorithms mm -hmm. um, in, in kind of gaining momentum in, in social media with engagement and traction. Um, how does a company go about scaling content? Because it, 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 you know, from my personal experience, it's, it's what is forgotten, right? They think, well, I have $5,000 um, a quarter or a month to spend on social media. And then you 
have to tell them the the sad part, which is, well, but you have no content yet. Right. Um, and content, you know, costs money. Uh, whomever is going to produce it. So how do how does, should a company be thinking about content and specifically how to scale content? Because it hits them like a ton of bricks, right? You say, well, even if you only want to post it once a week, that's 52 pieces of content. Right. Um, and, you know, some of those would just be for pure engagement. Others mm-hmm. have to work a little bit harder to drive to drive revenue um how did how do p how should a company scale content and also uh how do you kind of share with them if if you agree with this that the content also needs to be a little bit different per channel as well yeah uh, per platform you know we were talking earlier about how people engage on tiktok is vastly different than how they engage on on facebook which is even more different than how they would engage on linkedin and so Mm -hmm. on so you know, all of a sudden you're sitting here and you're going, okay, a uh, piece of content once a week, 52 times five platforms, what are we at, 280. Um, so h- how do you uh, approach content and particularly the challenge of scaling it? Yeah. So the first thing I like to say about this is, you know, I think a lot of people, when you hear that number, like, you know, five times, five platforms once a week, that's 280 pieces of content. It doesn't mean that you have to create 280 unique pieces of content. The thing about specifically with social media and marketing overall is you're just saying the same thing in different ways. So you're not obviously going to have to be covering a vastly different, huge range of topics. You are going, you want to become known, you need to build your brand. And so you have to be repeating things in different ways. And so I'm a big proponent of content repurposing. So, you know, if something performed really well on Instagram, maybe an IGTV you did performed really well on Instagram, how can you take that now and transform it into a LinkedIn post? How can you take that and break it into five different tweets? Um, so it's all about taking content that it has performed well that you're already currently doing and breaking that down into multiple other pieces of content and just tweaking it per the platform that you are posting on based on how those people typically interact with your content or what they typically respond to well on those types of platforms. So again, you know, with TikTok, it's going to have to be obviously a video con- piece of video content. LinkedIn, maybe not video content is the way to go. You want to maybe transform it into um, an actual written post. Uh, and like that, you can take other forms of remarketing. So if you do blog posts at all, um, if you do email marketing at all, you can take those pieces of content and turn that into social media content. Now, of course, it is going to have to be tweaked and changed. And that's where little nuances come in. And that's where um, that's where I think, again, a little bit of the trial and error comes in. But it is really about you can even take an old post that you did three months ago that performed really well and turn that into, you know, recreate it in some way, make it relevant to the to the, the, the day that you're in right now and repost it in a different way, maybe using a different image or something like that. So I would say you're not necessarily creating 280 unique pieces of content. You're taking pieces and breaking things out and transforming them in different ways that will lend itself better to different platforms. So that's number one, I would say. Um, yeah, I would say that's about it. Yeah, so that's how you can do it. A big proponent of content repurposing. I think that's like the main thing to keep in mind. and. Just take a little bit, like, you know, take the pressure off. Social media is can also be fun, experimental. There's nothing proven 100% that's going to work or not work. Um, so just have fun with it and experiment and see what works well for you. That's a great, great encouraging overview. Um, so at a time, we're going we're gonna to 
talk talk pandemic because yeah. you can't have a podcast without it. In <laughs> um, the timestamp, this it's it's June twenty twenty one. I don't want to eat my words here, but you know the pandemic seems to be ending at least uh, in in the United States a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you seen the last? You know, obviously, it goes without saying, disruptive last fifteen months. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you seen that that has changed how businesses should approach social media in the long run? I think right out of the gate, clearly there was shifts in strategy. Right. right? I mean, everything shifted. It was, you know, tone everything. Uh, acknowledging that people were, you know, literally locked in their homes. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen a, a shift in how? companies over the long term might approach social media as a result of, well, let's be honest here as well. It, it's, it wasn't just COVID pandemic. It was a tumultuous year. Yeah. I think, I mm-hmm. think we, can, we can fairly say that with uh, <laughs> social media perhaps being ground zero of, of, of the tumultuous ride that we went on in, in yeah. 2020. But how have you seen it shift things? I'll offer one thing that I think that I've noticed. Yeah. Um, and that it's an exception of lower production values, mm-hmm. I think, because we, we're all on Zoom for a year. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't know. We've all seen each other and our bosses in pajamas, uh, you know, in, you know, we all have gone through the glitchy Zoom technical right. <laughs> oops troubles. Like it almost, um, I don't know, remove the facade, if you will, mm-hmm. of um, high production. We all became... Uh, personally and professionally just accepting of the way things were and being okay with it yeah. right that uh, you know everything didn't have to be this hi-fi type thing um that seems to be something that is uh, and i would say it's not necessarily a, a, a marketing mm-hmm. or social media sticking point but it's a, a cultural sticking point right yeah um but that plays itself out i think in terms of what brands can do or get away with or or whatnot um, so that that's just my own anecdotal observation. But what 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 have you noticed that you know from the many influences that we've had in our lives in the past fifteen months? What is going to hold true moving forward over the next number of years? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think you touched on one of the big things that is going to continue um, moving forward. It's it's that authenticity. It's the realness. Um, brands being a little bit more transparent. Um, showing, I think a lot of people are connecting more to brands who have that little bit of that personal side to it. So if you are, you know, a, a new founder, emerging brand, um, showing who you are, talking about your brand story, um, being able to connect with people on a more personal level rather than just a brand level is going to be something that people are looking for. Um, especially like we said with the pandemic and everything, people are looking for connection. People don't necessarily um, want to buy from brands that they don't value the same things. Um, they are looking for more of someone who represents them. And so really highlighting your brand story, um, highlighting what what your brand stands for is going to be more important. Um, and then again, that can come across on social media with a little bit more authentic, real posts. It doesn't have to be very carefully curated. It doesn't have to all be like picture perfect, pretty. Um, people are not really interested in that anymore. They want to see like the behind the scenes. They want to see transparent brands. They want to see kind of what's going on. They want to see the good and the bad. They don't want to just see like this, you know, picture perfect thing that you put up um, at the end of the day. That's already like 
you've gone through so many iterations and now it's like ready to go. They want to see the whole process behind it. Um, you want to bring people in to the brand story, bring them along for kind of the ride with you if, as your brand and business continues to grow. So I think that is definitely going to be something that sticks around for a while. And again, I just think like that community connection, like people are you know, social media is not going away and it's a way to connect with people who are not necessarily located exactly where you are and to find people who have similar interests, similar values, um, similar things that you want to be talking about. And so really being able to cultivate more of that community, have, you know, com start conversations using social media, get people really part of your brand and engaging with your brand, not just as a product necessarily, but just as the whole um, community and brand feeling overall. Yeah, it's a, a lot of norms have been been shattered, mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know. I personally welcome them. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's, you know, it's like you know, everyone. Obviously, you're always putting on your best face, if you will. Um, but once you've seen that an individual also has barking dogs and kids nagging them in the yes. background, you realize that. Uh, they're a real we're all, person. We're all, yeah. <laughs> we're all real people. Yep. Um, we're all real people. You can buy a $5,000 suit, but you're still going home to a mess. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> kids, kids trying to make pancakes and everything else. <laughs> um, so I wanted to take a moment for kind of a final question here mm -hmm. to ask you about um, what you make of the recent Apple Facebook spat over privacy, I, I think <laughs> we could call it, and how how that will impact small businesses. I think, you know, so many small businesses have been built on using Facebook targeting. Yeah. Um, could you, you know, first give an overview of what has been going on between Apple and Facebook? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, with, you're, you're talking about the two giants here. You're right. talking about, you know, Facebook, which also means Instagram. Right. Means, I don't know, what is it? Four billion people are on it, right? And then, right. I don't know how many iPhones there are, but there's about eight in my house. So, um, you know, you're covering large, large, large percents of the population here yeah. um, where the two intersect, which is also why it has been so successful for small businesses. Obviously, you've built a business helping mm -hmm. small businesses achieve results on there. Um, so could you explain what, what this what this disagreement, I think we can lightly call it, over privacy is, um, where it stands now? what you see in the future, but perhaps most importantly, what impact is it having on small businesses? Is it having any? Should they be concerned now in the future uh, as well? I think it's an important topic if you could shed some light on it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, basically Apple is putting out a new update where you are now saying that you don't want to be tracked. You don't want to share your information. Um, so people like Facebook are now not able to gather your demographic information or track you in any way to target you anymore. So basically people who have been using Facebook ads, when they go in now to select their demographics, select the people that, you know, target do their targeting strategy, they are not able to get as accurate information. And so their ads are not now are now not going to be as effective, which means they're probably going to have to be spending a lot more money to get the same results that they were getting before. And so I definitely think it's having an impact. And I think, you know, it's still really, uh, you're kind, we're kind of in, in the midst of it still where we don't necessarily know exactly what the long-term effects are going to be because 
we, you know, it could end up settling out and, you know, it'll kind of maybe go back to the status quo and go back to normal rates and things like that. I kind of doubt that. I think that people are going to be starting to look for alternatives. Um, you know, TikTok is now allowing advertising and things like that. So I think people are going to start seeking out other ways to reach, to increase their reach, to increase their visibility and brand awareness. That's on a little bit more of a sure thing instead of doing Facebook ads, which are just a little bit uncertain right now. Obviously, some people are still able to have success. I don't think it's something just to throw out the window um, and never try again. I think right now, if you haven't been doing ads, um, Facebook ads specifically, I wouldn't start now. <laughs> I would give it a little bit of time to see kind of how it the long-term effects are really going to play out. But if you've already been doing ads and you aren't seeing anything, any huge changes, I think it's safe to keep going with them. You might have already been able to um, have that targeting in place that was really, um, really great and really working for you before this all happened. So it might be able to last you through for a little while through this kind of more tumultuous time. Um, like I said, I think, you know, other social media platforms are going to be emerging, like TikTok's coming up and, you know, a few other ones. There's probably going to be more in the future. Um, so I think that there are, it's always beneficial to kind of keep your eyes and ears open for different opportunities where you can kind of get in on the ground floor, get in a little bit earlier and not have as much competition like Facebook, like you would with Facebook. Because again, like you said, you know, five, 10 years ago, when you had, if you did Facebook ads, you were guaranteed basically success. And even before this all happened with the iOS update, um, that wasn't necessarily the case. It was a little bit more challenging and it became a little bit more saturated and costs were going up. So I think exploring different options, um, something else too that I would highly recommend exploring that isn't necessarily, you know, it could cost money, it might not, but forming brand partnerships, doing collaborations, whether that's with um, like-minded companies who are related to you or partnering with influencers, um, those are going to be ways to increase your visibility, reach people who you really want to reach, but it doesn't have to be through ads. So I think exploring those different routes and not thinking like Facebook ads is the only way to go. And like I said, just keeping your eyes and ears open, being open to new opportunities is going to be something to keep in mind for sure for emerging businesses. Two thoughts on it. One, when, during my iOS update, it was interesting because there was that moment, right? And it asked me mm-hmm. <laughs> would, if I wanted to. I, I, it was cleverly worded, but I think it said, you know, do you want to opt out for a better, for different ad, your ad experience or whatever? And my initial thought was like, oh, yeah, now's my time. I can, <laughs> I can stick it to man, you know, right. I'm keep my own privacy. And then I thought, I don't want ads for women's underwear right, right on my exactly. feet. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see how the public responds on that. Um, yeah. I also suspect, and this is based on absolutely nothing factual, that Apple has something up their sleeve because, mm-hmm. you know, they they want their phones used, yeah. which means that the experience has to be a positive one. And if Facebook and the like, which, um, you know, is how we use our phones a lot, um, is not a good experience, then it comes back to people not using the phone, which right. isn't a good thing. I don't know. I, I suspect they have a, a, a card they're going to play at some time. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> few. Um, but just, just that to put a to put a bow on it, mm-hmm. I th- believe it would be true that Facebook still has everyone's data, right? I mean, it, it's not all of a sudden that Facebook doesn't know who anyone is, correct? I mean, right. So if I had opted out, that does not mean that Facebook 
doesn't have the whatever 10 years of data on exactly. it. And it's not like it's not like people change overnight. I'm not all of a sudden going to go from someone that likes um, you know skiing to someone that doesn't like skiing at all. You right, know, right. Um, Facebook knows that Scott likes skiing, and that's yeah. not changing, right? Right. But, um, so it's not this end of the world scenario right completely washing out everything yeah exactly yeah that's an important note there i think and that's why i think Um, if you've been doing them already it's not as huge you know it's still going to affect you but it's not going to be as big of a a challenge i would say unless until you know as compared to people who are maybe just now wanting to get started well i think a a key message here is for for folks to be on top of things. And, uh, you know, if you are a small business owner, you need to focus on running your business, not uh, reading up on the latest iOS update and (laughs) Facebook and Apple spat and all that type of stuff. Um, So that's why, you know, people should be reaching out to um, folks like you. And let's talk about how they can reach you. Uh, You do have your website, and I'll go ahead and read that here. Yes. It's thrivecollectiveco.com. So Thrive collectiveco.com how else can folks find you or uh you know track you or read read about what you're um following and posting about yes so i'm primarily i would say instagram and linkedin are where you can that's where i'm most active so i'm on instagram at thrive collective co and then i'm on linkedin just my name nicole hanzello um and then my company page is thrive collective co on linkedin as well but those i would say are the the primary places to to reach out (laughs) Well, Nicole, thank you very much for for coming on. Um, grateful that you were able to share. Yeah, of course. A uh, lot of insights, um, and would encourage anyone that is well, either not having success on social media, which I'm sure there's plenty of that, mm-hmm. or um, startup small businesses, or I'm sure you know medium sized businesses that you help as well mm-hmm. uh, that want to grow, uh, not just their engagement, but also leading to e commerce results as well, so yeah. you can get a positive ROI. Uh, to reach out to you. And uh, again, thank you very much for coming on and, and sharing your insights with our audience. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Shelf, presented by Chef's Best. If you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your episodes. For more details about all of our episodes from inside the ever-changing food and beverage industry, visit chefsbest.com.